Welcome to Know Your Bible, a program presented by the Churches of Christ and devoted to helping you understand God's Word. The Bible is a book inspired by God that contains answers to your questions. The Bible reveals Jesus and explains His sacrifice, contains God's plan for the family, and timeless principles of parenting. Also has the truth about life and death. The Bible contains great financial advice and also answers questions of morality. Join us as we look for answers to your questions and help you know your Bible. Good morning. Welcome to Know Your Bible. We're glad you're back this week as we try to answer your questions about the Bible. That's what we do every week on Know Your Bible is try to help you know your Bible better. And we figured out the best way to do that is just answer questions. Whatever you have on your mind about the Bible, we'll try to find an answer. You'll notice there's a phone number and a website at the bottom of the screen. Use those anytime to get in touch with us. Tell us what you're interested in. Uh, we get real specific questions about what's this verse mean? Uh, what's this doctrine? Uh, where can I find this? Uh, get a lot of those. Where is this? I've heard this, and where is it? I can't find it in the Bible. Where is it? And we're happy to find it for you. And then we get a lot of general life questions. Uh, what's happening in the news? People wonder, what's the Bible say about that, if anything? And we'll try to find you an answer. So that's what we do. All you have to do is uh, call or log on, let us know what you want us to talk about, and that's what we'll cover in the weeks ahead. Let me introduce my friend Toby Levering. You're back, Toby. I am back, ready Good to morning. go. Ready to go, <laughs> Good morning. studied up, and uh, practiced up on this, and we're glad. <laughs> and I've studied a few of them too, and we're going to try to give them some answers. Uh, but first, we got one for our viewing audience. Always ask them one each week. Uh, what angel made the announcement to Mary? Uh, what angel made the famous announcement to Mary that she was going to have the Son of God? We'll give you the answer to that at the end of the program. See if you and your family know that little bit of Bible information. All right, Toby, I think you got the first one today, so get us started. Got the first one here, and the viewer asked the question, When the woman was caught in adultery, where was the man? And why was only the woman accused? Well, you are very astute in uh, noticing the absence. This adultery is a two-person sin. Uh, this episode is found in John chapter 8, verses 1 through 11. And it is an episode in Jesus' life, which only John records where the uh, Pharisees were trying to trap Jesus. They were trying to get him to um, kind of stumble in his answer. And they thought they had picked a question that would really uh, uh, make him stumble. Uh, the answer to the question is they were really using the woman as bait. They were not trying to uh, make a perfect example of the law. Uh, but they were just doing something cruel and harsh and unthinkable to, to use a woman in this way. It's hard for us even to imagine, uh, but they surely did, as is found in John chapter 8. So you are exactly right that the man should have been there. In fact, that's exactly what the law prescribed. Uh, let's look at Leviticus chapter 20, verse 10. Uh, there it clearly says, If a man commits adultery with the wife of his neighbor, both the adulterer and the adulteress shall surely be put to death. So uh, we can surmise that since the man was not there, the goal uh, was not a perfect execution of the law. The goal was to make Jesus stumble. And how they were going to do that was if he were to say, you know, the question that they put to Jesus was the law says 
uh, we should stone such a woman. And, uh, you know, but of course Rome was in charge. They were in power and only they could do execution. So uh, if Jesus would say, yes, stone her, then sure, yes, uh, except he'd have a problem with Rome. If he said, no, no, have mercy, have mercy, uh, then he'd have a problem with uh, the, the rabbis and the teachers because he was clearly violating what the law prescribed. But Jesus' answer is just perfect. It's just beautiful, and it's why it's so memorable. And we're going to look at it together as, of course, all these men are surrounding the women with their stones in hand, and Jesus is there. He begins to write on the ground. Let's look at verse eight, chapter 8, verse 7. It says, As they continued to ask him, he stood up and said to them, Let him who is without sin among you be the first to throw a stone at her. And, of course, they realized at this that Jesus had them, that no one could keep the law perfectly, that all of us, uh, according to the law's prescriptions, were due uh, death, were due a stoning. And so he, he uh, got out of their trap, but that's exactly why the woman was brought alone. Was It was not uh, designed to be case law. It was designed to get Jesus tripped up. So Alrighty. Thank I you, handled it well. All right, the viewer wants to know about the testaments. The Bible says that a testament is only enforced after the death of a testator. Now, when did the New Testament begin? All right, now some of our viewers probably think, well, that's a simple question. I know it's right there about <laughs> two-thirds of the way through the Bible, and it says right there, the New, New Testament. Testament. So yep. that's where it right starts. <laughs> uh, we do have an Old Testament and a New Testament in the Bible, but that's not what our viewer is asking. In fact, that's a little misleading uh, because the first thing in the New Testament are the four stories of Jesus, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and they really happened during the Old Testament or the Old Covenant time is maybe a better way to think of it. Jesus grew up under the Old Law, under the Old Covenant, but their story, his story is placed in the New Testament part of our book. So uh, that's one reason to take the Bible Correspondence Course sure. and explain some of that. What's the difference between the Old and the New Testament? So let's use the word covenant perhaps. Uh, makes us think a little bit better. Uh, it's not the Bible division. It's when did the Old Covenant stop being effective and the New Covenant come into effect. Well, uh, the viewers write there's a verse that explains that. And it says the new one can't come into effect until the the one who wrote the testament dies. Uh, we know about last wills and testaments. Uh, when so you, if you've got a will, it probably starts out, I, Stephen Tandy, being of sound mind, uh, issue this last will and testament of, of my estate. So let's read Hebrews 9 and you'll find the answer. In the case of a will, now this verse in the older version says testament and testator. In this one it says, in the case of a will, it's necessary to prove the death of the one who made it. That's the testator. Because a will is in force only when somebody has died. It never takes effect while one who made it is living. All right, there's the answer. If you've got a will and it's in your file cabinet or in your safe deposit box and you're still alive, nobody has to pay any attention to that will. Doesn't mean anything yet. When you die, it comes into effect. It's the rule from then on. Now, the, probably what this viewer is asking is a little more complicated than that. Uh, when did it really take effect? 
for instance, my father passed away a little over two years ago. He had a will, but I, did, I was the executor of that will, but I really didn't start enforcing it for a few weeks. You know, first we took care of the funeral and all those other things, and we didn't worry about the will. Uh, a couple of weeks later, then I explained to my brother where we were, and we started executing the will and uh, taking care of the funds and all of that. So there was a little break in there. With Jesus, there was a little break in there. Jesus died on the cross, but it was 50 days later before Peter preached the first gospel sermon, and he explained the new covenant. So one way you could say it is, well, when Jesus died, it was in effect, but literally, technically, it probably didn't start being enforced or take, been noticed or anything until Peter preached the first gospel sermon. And he said, here's the new covenant. The old covenant was you were born a Jew or you were, uh, and you had to be circumcised to prove you were a Jew or you were a, 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 a proselyte to the Jewish faith. That's the way the old covenant worked. Kept all these rules, regulations. New Testament, you believe and you're baptized and you receive the forgiveness of your sins. You become a child of God. That's the new covenant. So on the day of Pentecost would be my answer. Now, exactly what happened in that 50 days Maybe nobody died. I don't know. God, God could have taken care of that if He wanted to. Uh, but since none of us lived in that 50 days, I don't think we have to worry about it too much. So I'll say on the day of Pentecost is when the will was first announced and taken care of. That's a good answer. All right. All right. Uh, Pretty basic. Yes, here. question. Uh, the Inquisitor would like to know, who wrote the Bible? Well, that's a good question because you know, the Bible really means books. It is a collection of 66 books written by over 40 different authors over uh, several centuries throughout history. And so who wrote all that? And people study it and go, wait a second, not the same person wrote Genesis that wrote uh, the book of Romans. Uh, and you're right in terms of the person who actually physically put pen to paper or papyrus and, and wrote that out and had that transcribed or however uh, it was uh, different. But the author of all of those books, all uh, Scripture testifies that all of it points back to the Lord God. Uh, men were inspired by God. They were the prophets. They were the apostles, uh, the disciples. They were the ones who wrote down the things that God inspired. And the, the Bible's been tested many times, uh, shown to be without error 100% of the time. It's been tested and shown to be true historically, archaeologically, scientifically, uh, all the manuscript evidence. The Bible, when you take a book, has, has been more tested uh, than any other book that's ever been written. And the only way that it could hold true is that there's one author who's all-knowing, all-powerful. And this is what Scripture testifies, of course, to itself. Let's look at two verses, uh, for one from 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16 and 17. It says there, and Paul here is writing this, and he's writing it to uh, his protege, protege Timothy, but he's inspired by the Spirit. He says, All Scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, correction, for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. And then 2 Peter chapter 1 and verses 20 and 21 
Here, Peter is actually writing this letter. But again, he's inspired by the, the Holy Spirit, inspired by God who breathed these words. And he says, No prophecy of Scripture comes from someone's own interpretation. For prophecy was never produced by the will of man, but men spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. So the Bible has many different uh, authors, but the ultimate author, the ultimate inspiration, the ultimate uh, uh, behind-the-scenes author of all of those was God Himself. And uh, that's how we know that it's true is because it's 100% accurate and been tested all throughout history. All right. Thank you, Toby. Uh, speaking of the Bible and its accuracy and its uh, inspiration and all that, uh, makes me realize we need to talk about a good way to study the Bible. And we do that every week because we've got some free Bible study materials that we send to folks uh, all over the country and all over the world for that matter. Uh, people who are interested in learning more about the Bible, who want a good basic Bible study that uh, is not slanted by church doctrine or somebody's uh, specific ideas, it's just straight out of the Bible. And the first course you see on the screen there uh, starts with the Old Testament and then the New Testament. Two very basic lessons help you understand the difference between those two parts of the Bible. Then it's got six other lessons that are real basic also. Great way to get familiar with the Bible. Great way to uh, form a regular habit of Bible study. And then we've got more advanced courses that once you get through this first one, uh, we've got a handsome certificate we'll get to you that uh, we think it's great that you accomplished getting through this course. And then there's a lot more courses that we can uh, keep you studying Know Your Bible or study materials for quite a while. So give us a call, log on to the website, tell us you want that free course. We'll get it in the mail for you almost immediately. All right, question. A church told me I didn't know my Bible well enough to be baptized. Uh, can you become a Christian as you are? Well, uh, some people may have heard that question and thought, well, that's horrible that somebody would tell a guy he couldn't be baptized. Uh, let me stick up for the church just a little bit here. Uh, I have been in that situation where somebody comes and a friend of theirs said, you need to be baptized. And uh, they go come to me or some other church perhaps and say, I want to be baptized. And you say, well, do you know what that means? Uh, well, no, not really. Uh, so they don't know enough to be baptized if they don't know what it means. Uh, so there are situations like that. Uh, I remember one particular young man uh, started dating a girl that was a Christian and she said, well, I'm not going to have anything to do with you until you're baptized. And so he wanted to be baptized. Where's the water? He didn't know what it meant, uh, but he was ready. And so I didn't tell him he didn't know enough Bible, but I said, well, we need to study a little more. We need to sit down with the Bible and see what it says. And, and I hope this church offered to study with this person. Uh, so that's a possibility. But beyond that, the, if you know enough, which is very basic, then yes, you can become a Christian as you are. You don't have to change uh, your behavior. You don't have to get everything right. You don't have to fix everything. You don't have to be perfect before you can be baptized. Now, once you become a Christian, yes, you'll start changing your lifestyle. You'll start working on that. All that you'll start learning more Bible. But uh, you can become a Christian as you are. In fact, one of the most famous songs that I think every church sings is Just As I Am. 
that's how we come to Jesus, just as I am. I've got sins, I've got problems, I've got hang-ups, uh, but I want to be a Christian and start working on those things. So yes, you can be baptized just as you are. Uh, the requirements, what you have to know isn't very much. Let's read uh, Acts chapter 8 together, verse 36 and 37. Philip, the evangelist, was talking to a man from Ethiopia who didn't even know who Jesus was. And Philip told him about Jesus and told him about the gospel and told him about baptism evidently because as the chariot rolled along the, uh, the eunuch said, hey look here's water, uh, why shouldn't I be baptized? And Philip said, if you believe with all your heart, you may. And so the official answered, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. If he understood that, he understood that baptism was where he contacts the blood of Jesus and Jesus would then save him, forgive his sins, he knew enough. And he was, Philip baptized him, took him down into the water and baptized him and he went on his way rejoicing. So you don't have to know a whole lot, but you do have to understand what it means and who Jesus is and what he did for you and some of that. So you got to know some, a little bit of Bible to be baptized. So hope that helps our caller that had that problem. Your answer is exactly right. The, um, I think the main thing that I try to emphasize when I'm working with teenagers is the commitment idea. Make sure they understand it's a lifelong thing and not yeah. just because uh, your friends are doing it because it seems like the right thing. I mean, you know, if you're committing that Jesus is Lord, you're committing to his lordship for your life. Yep. And uh, you know, you're exactly right. <coughs> you don't have to know a deep, uh, you know, have a <laughs> seminary degree and <laughs> a deep theological understanding of all the languages and all that stuff. You yep. just do need to know who Jesus is. Yeah, yeah that's a good point. Sometimes <coughs> a very young person will come mm -hmm. and say, I want to be baptized. Yep. And one thing I usually ask them, and I say, well, are you ready to be married? Yeah. They say, well, no, I, I, I don't want to marry anybody. Well, the point is, well, being baptized is a commitment to sure. Jesus, a lifelong one. And if you kind of compare it that way, it, yeah. it makes a little difference to them. Yeah. And they decide, well, maybe I'm not quite ready to sure. be baptized. So, uh, <clears throat> yeah, you got to know some things and you got to be ready to commit to a life of change. All right, let's see, is your turn? I think it is. Yeah, nails, okay. nails. <laughs> a, a person asked the question, where did they place the nails when Jesus was crucified? Uh, through his hands or forearms? Well, we can look at uh, artists' uh, rendition of the crucifixion and how they pictured that to happen. And some have the nails going right through the palms here. And uh, of course, uh, historically, Roman crucifixions often put the nails in the wrist bone uh, between the two bones because that would hold uh, the person being executed there up on the cross uh, more better uh, uh, better than the uh, tendons in the hand would, would do. So it was probably uh, through the wrist bones, but the truth is the Bible doesn't say, doesn't give us that particular detail. And so we, you know, it's real speculation. Um, but we can look at history, we can look at things like that and get some idea. Uh, I, I think the point here is, again, kind of one of those questions. That God doesn't give us a specific answer because He doesn't want us to focus really on that detail. And the question is, bigger question is not how He was crucified, but why He was crucified. And that, Scripture is quite clear on. Let's look at Acts chapter 2, verse, 30, verse 36. Let all the house of Israel therefore know for certain 
that God has made him both Lord and Christ, this Jesus whom you crucified. And scripture, of course, tells us that he was uh, died that we might live, that he sacrificed his life and laid it down uh, so that we might have eternal life. That was God's plan from the beginning. Um, so it's interesting uh, trivia to kind of think about and ask about. And you can look at some uh, uh, historical information about Roman crucifixions, but uh, the Bible doesn't specifically tell us about that detail. All right. Thank you. So uh, viewers got a question. I think I can answer, but I'm not sure why he asked it, but it's kind of interesting. Uh, would a person who has died be an example of man before he became a living soul? That is, a body without a spirit. So, if I understand this right, I think of you were saying uh, back in Genesis it says God formed man, made a man out of dust, and then he breathed uh, life into him and made him a living soul. We'll read that verse in a moment. He said, so if somebody dies and their spirit leaves, is that would that give us a picture of what Adam looked like, I guess. Uh, well, I suppose that's a pretty good illustration. Uh, we don't know exactly how it worked back then or how it works when a spirit leaves a body. Now, let's go ahead and read Genesis 2 7 together and see what it said. The Lord God formed the man from the dust of the ground, and then he breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and the man became a living being. So I see the viewer's point here. Uh, Adam was formed out of the dust of the ground. Uh, I'd say it's probably a pretty good picture, except the main difference is when we die, then there's a dead body there, the spirit's left. It's probably old and worn out in, in general. Some young people die, but in general, we're old and worn out, whereas Adam was probably pretty fresh and in his prime. Uh, we don't know exactly what Adam and Eve looked like, but we assume God created them in their prime and pretty good shape and probably the model man and woman. Uh, so that would be the main difference I could see, but I understand what the viewer is saying and I guess that would be a good example. <laughs> All right. Interesting question to think about. Yep. Uh, yep. Here's a question the viewer asked. Uh, oh, uh, That's all right. Oh, yeah. Okay. Now let me do the church here. Okay, go ahead. Let's let me do invite that people to visit sure, the church Sure, that would be fine. <laughs> <laughs> we always like to mention yep. the uh, that we're kept on the air by Churches of Christ and like to mention a few of them. Uh, today it's turned, uh, our turn at Northside to be uh, mentioned. Uh, the Northside Church of Christ produces this program for you uh, here in Wichita, Kansas. Toby and I both attend there and uh, are always happy to meet folks that drop in and say they watch the program. So uh, if you are in the area, drop in, visit us sometime. Uh, you can look at the website and learn a lot about Northside, the kind of things that we do there and the great group of people that we have. Uh, so we invite you to visit us anytime or all the Churches of Christ uh, in our viewing area. Drop in and visit one of them sometime. Or if you know someone that attends a Church of Christ, tell them thank you for providing Know Your Bible for you. And uh, you'd be warmly welcomed at any Church of Christ. All right. All right. You, were, you were ready. Yeah. Let's go ahead and answer this. <laughs> I got a timeline question here. What year was Jesus born? Well, the calendar, of course, uh, is based, the modern calendar, if it's 2014, AD, and that AD is Latin for Anno Domini, uh, which means in the year of the Lord. And so we assume that Jesus was born back in year zero. Uh, well, that's not exactly right uh, because um, we can look at a few details from history. The Bible actually doesn't 
give us a specific date. Of course, uh, they didn't have that dating system at the time to, to pinpoint and say the exact year and, and even the day that Jesus was born. So we really don't know. Uh, but we have some details from the Bible account uh, that give us a pretty reasonable window within the timeline of history. Uh, Matthew chapter 2 verse 1 says that Jesus was born during the days of Herod. And so Herod, we know historically, died in 4 B.C., four years uh, before, the com uh, before Christ. Now, uh, and so it would have had to have occurred at least 4 B.C. Uh, would have been the, the end of that timeline. After jo Joseph and Mary fled Bethlehem and Jesus, Herod ordered all the boys two years old and younger in the vicinity to be killed. So this, along with some other facts from history, most experts kind of put the birth of Jesus's date not at zero, but actually at between six and four B.C., uh, and, of course, all of that is up to speculation. Some people spend a lot of time and uh, study a lot of details and get in arguments over it. And I think the, the point is simply that he was born, not so much uh, when he was born. Uh, let's read Luke chapter 2, verse 11, uh, 10 and 11. Excuse me. <clears throat> and the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And so uh, that's kind of the window timeline that we have, but we don't exactly know, at least from the Bible. All righty, thank you. Let's see if we can squeeze one more question in here about Satan. The viewer wants to know, was <laughs> Satan the most beautiful angel? Well, my answer is possibly, uh, but not definitively. <laughs> And let me tell you why. I'll show you where people get that. They get it from Ezekiel chapter 28, verse 12. Let's read it together. God, Ezekiel says, You were the model of perfection, full of wisdom and perfect in beauty. Now, most people read that and they read the whole chapter and they think, well, it's talking about Satan. It's describing Satan. And a lot of it sounds exactly like they're describing a fallen angel. But you go back so the first part of that verse, that's the second part of verse 12, the first part of the verse says, the, Lord, the word of the Lord came to me, uh, Ezekiel, and said, take up a lament concerning the king of Tyre. And if you go back to verse 1 of chapter 28, it says, the word of the Lord came to me, son of man, say to the ruler of Tyre. So this whole chapter is written about the king of Tyre. But it's got enough in it that sounds like Satan that most people think, like some prophecies, it's got a dual meaning. That Tyre, the king of Tyre was so much like Satan, or Satan controlled him so much that God in this prophecy was talking to the king of Tyre, but he was also talking to Satan because Satan was the troublemaker here. So maybe it's talking to Satan. Maybe Satan was the most beautiful angel and pride was his downfall. And Most all of the information people believe about Satan comes from this chapter uh, written about the king of Tyre or some other prophecies about wicked kings. So we're not sure how much God was referring to Satan and how much he was referring to the king of Tyre. but. Uh, we'll find all of that out someday <laughs> when we get there. We're not sure what Satan was like, but maybe he was the most beautiful angel. All right, we're out of time for questions, but let's uh, make sure we get our trivia question answered today. The question was, what angel 
made the announcement to Mary. Well, I hope most of you probably knew that. Gabriel is the angel that got to make announcements, usually in the Bible. Uh, he talked to uh, John's father, and he also talked to Mary. He, he got to make announcements to folks, some pretty big announcements. So <laughs> yeah, Gabriel was a pretty <laughs> special angel. All right, we're out of time for questions, but we're glad you've been with us today. Sign up for that correspondence course if you haven't done that. Uh, we've got some more good ones coming up uh, next week, and we'll just keep working through trying to catch up on all the questions that you give us. We're glad you've been with us today, and we hope you come back next week as we study with you. And until then, you have a great week. Know Your Bible has been presented by the Churches of Christ in your area. Churches of Christ are non-denominational, and each congregation is an independent group of Christians seeking to do God's will. Our goal is simple New Testament Christianity. We follow the Bible as our only guide. Contact us with any questions, and we encourage you to visit a Church of Christ near you.